The Center for Healing Trauma and Attachment, or CADA, founded by the visionary Doreen Hills, is dedicated to providing innovative and compassionate treatment for those seeking profound healing. CADA's mission is clear, to offer driven, passionate, and cutting-edge therapeutic approaches that not only heal trauma, but also address the needs of the soul. They believe that true healing goes beyond symptom management and is about restoring wholeness. So whether you're an individual seeking therapy, a provider or therapist looking for training, or a member of the community in need of support, CADA offers quality and affordable trainings tailored to your unique needs. To learn more, visit chtainc.org. That's chtainc.org. All right. Welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise the awareness of trauma and to support and inspire new trauma therapists just starting out on the trauma-informed journey. I do that with my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0, my online courses and workshops, and the Trauma Therapist newsletter. If you're a therapist of any kind and you work with individuals who've been impacted by trauma, I invite you to head on over to my website at thetraumatherapistproject.com. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com. All right, let's get started. Five, four, three, two, and one. Our folks, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Very excited to have back Dr. Timothy Shaw. Tim, welcome. Thank you, Guy. And great to be back. I appreciate it. So Dr. Shaw studies the impact, origins, and implications of moral moral injury. He's undertaken original research into how laws of war and deeper considerations of ethics and justice can inform our understanding of moral injury, the signature sound of contemporary war. Tim has taught ethics at University of Sydney and holds a research master's investigating the implications of just war theory, the most uninterrupted, longest continuing study of moral decision-making known in the Western world on psychological distress arising from the preparative agency. In addition, Tim received his doctorate on the topic of moral injury and the question of why killing is traumatic using the ethical optics of French philosopher Emmanuel Levinas. Tim, welcome back. So let's just take a second here and reorient or orient um, those uh, of our listeners who haven't yet checked out uh, your your first episode here. In in short, what the heck do you do? Okay, well, um, well, for the past year, maybe a a bit longer, year and a half, I've been doing not much apart from reading and writing and going on an incredible journey, um, looking into the origins of how to define uh, the term moral injury, and also how to think about um, uh, think about a definition that has a treatment or, or some form of treatment built into it. Okay, so a definition of moral injury that has a, defi- a, a treat. What do you say more about that? What do you mean by? Yeah, I, I know it's. I, I know it's different. So. Um, as um, as, the, as most people are aware, the field's compiled of, of, of three main strands. You've got the clinical strand, um, uh, you've got the um, the religious or the spiritual strand, and the cultural strand uh, from, from from Jonathan Shea. Now, the field has uh, has had the, the, these have been three outstanding pillars for for some time now, and uh, the problem is is that there's no common lexicon 
language that unites or connects all the fields together. Without that, um, it's very difficult for a concept or, or an idea to, um, to be easily spoken about. And that's, um, and, I'm, and, and the, the ideas and the definition um, which I'm gonna present, they do not refute any of the, um, the current um, ideas or models. They just um, frame them in relation to each other and also relation um, to themselves. So you're talking about these three pillars of moral injury? Yes. Okay. We've got the clinical, the religious, and the cultural. Yes. Okay. And uh, hopefully a fourth, and there were, not hopefully, there, and a fourth model, um, a unifying uh, model, uh, a philosophical model. Okay. Now, before we get into this, and you said you were going to disclose a, a new definition. Yes. Why is this so important to you? Oh, well, it's, it's, uh, it's not something I rolled over. <laughs> I thought, you know, I should, I should do this. When I, um, and, and when we get into to, to the, the definition, you'll see the importance of it. Because what lies at the center of moral injury is something that lies at the center of human existence. I, I don't believe that the importance um, of the ideas of moral injury they flow through from the importance of uh, Judeo-Christian thought, um, and they uh, and they interconnect with society at many different um, many different points. Uh, when I when I first um, uh, started thinking about it, I saw um, much like PTSD in the seventies. Um, I saw the 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 potential and definitely. Um, I foresaw that moral injury would start with a veteran cohort, but as you, as we're starting to see, it does migrate into other um, other cohorts in society. And just how to think about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and the, some of those other cohorts, for example, are what? Oh, um, uh, medical uh, first responders, medical professionals. Um, in fact, uh, even for example. Uh, people that have had trauma from COVID or from, from understanding uh, being let down by people in authority or, or what have you, or anything. Um, and this is causing some very grievous psychologies um, and it's quite difficult to understand how to think about them. So before you start, before we start getting into this, this newer uh, is it is it fair to say expanded definition? Share with us what what's the understanding of the current definition of moral injury? Oh, okay. The current definition um, <clears throat> it's a complex beast. the ch The church believes that moral injury resides with them in a way, and they define moral injury as a soul sickness and maybe not even a sickness. Right. So. Uh, um, uh, something that's natural or, or something that is inbuilt and innate in us. Uh, Jonathan Shea, who's the cultural proponent, um, he understands moral injury as, um, as the upset from being let down by someone that holds legitimate authority. Uh, the clinical um, uh, definition is um, failing to or, or uh, um, enacting or failing to enact actions that go against one's moral compass, so to speak. 
the thing that links all these um, uh, ideas together, however, whether it be the, the religious um, strand, um, the cultural strand with a, a legitimate authority, which you know may as well be God, right? Mm -hmm. A legitimate authority for, for a relationship being let down by a legitimate authority at its very core and base. As we as humans, when we think about that, we do think about that in a, in a, in a very profoundly divine way. Um, and also then um, when you, when you uh, act or fail to act or fail to prevent, um, then your idea, it's, you can um, take it right down. And, th and this is what, I've, what I'm going to do through the aid of, a, um, uh, um, through the aid of Frederick Nietzsche and trace it all back to some very profound ideas um, that underpin uh, Western thought. So most... I think, uh, generally speaking, it, it's fair to say that a lot of a lot of people, a lot of therapists at this point, uh, when they think of moral injury, injury, we think of veterans. Yes. Right. Who've come back from war. Um, what are you suggesting now? What are you proposing with this newer um, definition? I I I um I I, I underwent um, a, a fabulous. Uh, uh, moral injury uh, course with Volunteers America that was uh, run by Rita uh, Brock, and primarily the the people that were were coming and 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 really um, connecting with this were um, you know uh, pastoral care um, pro professionals and people that are in the ethical and moral space. It wasn't necessarily soldiers, but really. Um, but really, the count the counselling community is coming in to try and engage with this um, this idea because when it comes down to it, and it is expand it is becoming an all inclusive PTSD esque idea. Mm -hmm. um, not only do you um, have to um, understand it for yourself, you st you start to have to understand it for other people as well. Okay, so let's talk about what what how things evolves for you? How did you uh, come to this new definition? Well, I, I, I was speaking with you um, the last time about, uh, about the just war tradition and about the importance of uh, um, some of the later ideas that have come in with crimes against humanity and all these uh, new ethical paradigms that were released into the world post-World War II. Um, and it is such a nebulous topic um, that I was finding it very difficult to, to put in all the information. Uh, and I had to, I, I also had to put in the information in relation to um, the movement or the ideas of uh, Christian thought as it has evolved over 2000 years. Um, because you could argue, and this is what I argue, um, 300 years ago, there were no psychologists um, and there were no psychotherapists. And we understood um, uh, moral injury or, um, and I'll, I'll go into to the, to what the content of that particular moral injury was through our relationship with the church or relationship with, with a priest. So if we, if we came back from war, um, I mean, it's not as if uh, you didn't go and see a psychologist or a psychotherapist. They just didn't exist. Right. And those ideas that surround those traditions, they didn't exist either. So 
putting all these ideas in, I, I was looking at a philosopher that that had already that had started to take these um, ideas seriously, and one of the, and, and the person that, um, that has taken them the most seriously is is the gentleman Frederick Nietzsche. And I thought, oh my God, this is a nightmare because <laughs> we. <laughs> I thought, I have never, ever, it's just so complicated and everyone is talking all these different strands and I thought, okay, pause, um, will to truth, will to power, what's going on? Um, and then I, and I started to look into his work and I started to look into his life and, um, and I, I saw something that was very strange for me. He, um, he, 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 he wrote a book um, that he only sold 40 copies of when he finished it, right? And then year on year, not, not, not like, you know, one every two years, but year on year on year on year for the next four years, he wrote monumental pillars of philosophy that have informed um, the 21st century. And I thought to myself, where did these ideas come from to year on year on year to be able to write this? What is the significance and what is the methodology that's been written about in this, um, in, in, this in, in this book? It's called Thus Spake Zarathustra. And that book, and when I looked at that book, I thought this is even worse because it was given out to, to, um, uh, to German soldiers in World War I. It's been lambasted for, uh, it's been, you know, the reputation of the work, <clears throat> and I'll go into this and, and the providence of, of the work, is, um, is scary. It's very scary, um, but it's very powerful. You've got um, Carl Jung that based his whole psychotherapy on that book. Mm. And you think to yourself, what is really, what's going on in this thing? And, and Carl Jung, he said that it's the best example of an intuitive method um, that we have um, to, mm. to understand ideas in a, in, a in, a, in a philosophical way without the philosophical jargon. And mm. um, yeah, and so, and so and so that's the the work that I've been tackling for the last year and a half, and um, and through tackling it, um, I do I have got some very exciting um, um, insights into because everyone has an opinion on on this work, and and if you type in "thus spake Zarathustra," you'll see a whole host of ideas about it, but. No one has isolated the meta-ethics of the work. No one has traced through um, the underpinning structure um, of which Nietzsche is talking about. And, um, and there's good reason for that. <laughs> I'll just, I'll read you this. Um, I'll read you this. This is, um, this is from, this is um, from unpu unpublished fragments um, of Nietzsche when he was writing Thus Spake Zarathustra. And it gives you an idea about why he made it so inaccessible. Um, an age is not always worthy of reproach if it does not recognize its greatest mind and has no eye for the most amazing star that it ascends out of its own night. Perhaps this star is destined to illuminate much more distant worlds. Perhaps it would even be fatal if this star were recognized too soon, it could be that the age would be distracted from its project by this star and would then in turn do damage to a coming age. Though leaving it with work to do that it already should have been accomplished, work that is perhaps less suited to the forces of this coming age. <clears throat> now, um, 
the riddle, and it is a riddle, it's a big, big riddle, this book. The riddle of um, Thus Spake Zarathustra was intentionally uh, made, by the, uh, made by the author because of, um, uh, because of his profound disenchantment with the, uh, the philosophical ideas, because we must re remember that we are operating pre-World War I. No, don't even don't even worry about crimes against humanity and all that sort of and all the and all the ethical and moral ideas that have come from from World War Two. Not even World War One. We are operating um, really at the end of two thousand years of Christian evolution that have brought these thinkers, um, German thinkers in particular, to a, a point of very sophisticated meta ethical and phenomenal phenomenological inquiry into the essence of being. <clears throat> and really, if you think about philosophers, you know, you go back, I don't know, you, you go back you know, a thousand years, there weren't many of them either, right? Mm -hmm. There was just the church. So the, the, the multiple strands that have come through the Christianity over 2000 years of a Christian psychology have then gone on to read back and inform and shape um, and shapes a very important um, uh, ideas that this um, thus fake Zarathustra enumerates. Hmm. So how does this feed into or inform this, your newer definition of moral injury? Okay. Before I do that, I, I, I would, to answer the question, I, first of all, I, I would like to, I would like to explain the relevance. Uh, I've, I've sort of explained the book. I just want to explain the relevance um, of Nietzsche's life heading up to this, because this will inform um, how, how we can even understand the book and then understand the injury. So Frederick Nietzsche was, he was, you know, he was the smartest person in Europe. Um, uh, he was given a full professorship um, and, he, um, and he volunteered for active military service for Prussia. Now, when he went to war, and Nietzsche was a philosopher that did go to war, right? One of the very few people that went to war. <clears throat> um, he went as someone that had volunteered, uh, someone that really believed what the importance of going and fighting for something and for, and, and for a country and for someone. And he went to war and it wasn't a normal battle that he fought in. It was because, and he, pardon me, and he went to war, not, he was a captain because of his previous military um, involvement, but he went to war as a captain and a medical orderly, right? Nor, nor it's very, uh, a philosopher that goes to war as a medic mm -hmm. and, and he goes to, and, and the battle that he goes to is not a battle where the medics are behind the lines, goodness knows how long, he was at a battle that was called the Siege of the Metz. And this battle was uh, Prussia, which is just a, uh, a fancy word for close to Russia, which talked about sort of the German, uh, uh, was, was to become Germany and France. And the, um, Prus the Prussian army, which included Nietzsche, had, um, had surrounded the, the town of the Metz and it was a siege. So, the front line, the, the front line um, where the ideas of the day are fought and understood was not a front line of com combat per se, but one of <clears throat> humanitarian values. So starvation, 
sickness, civilian populations, animals, um, because when, when they got when when the uh, when the the um, the siege finally ended um, and the Prussians went in, they walked through a town and there wasn't a single leaf on the trees because all the horses um, before they were eaten and before they had run out of food ate the ate the um, ate all the leaves on the trees and the horses that were left were standing with all their feet together collapsing at the sight of people. Uh, they were so weak. There was no food. It was a humanitarian disaster on a monumental scale. And nature, um, and there was sickness everywhere. So nature is looking at dying people, is looking at no one fighting, just people like two, two um, Christian countries that are uh, looking at each other and, and he goes, and he, got, and he got back from war. And the first thing he did was renounce his citizenship. Someone that had volunteered to go and fight he comes back from war and he says, whoa, I don't know what the, what that was, but, <laughs> but hang on a second, I need to think about it. Renounced his citizenship and the first book he wrote um, was called The Birth of Tragedy. Now, 10 years later, he, he, he wrote a book called The Joyous Wisdom or The Gay Science. And over that 10 years, um, the first book he ever published, The Birth of Tragedy, and then um, the last book at the end of 10 years, The Joyous Wisdom, the, the, the movement of tragedy, you know, birth of tragedy, joyous wisdom. Like uh, he did that without the buttresses of the state or the buttresses of religion. And, and at the end of that 10 years on the dot, he, uh, he had a personal, um, uh, 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 he, he had some very unperson uh, unfortunate personal circumstances and he fled to the mountains. <laughs> And he wrote in an enlightenedly manic state over 10 days, the first part of this book we're talking about. And the first lines of this book, they say, when the author um, was 30 years old, he left the home of his uh, lady country. That the age corresponds to when he first started, when he's first published his work, The Birth of Tragedy, and the age of 40, when he comes back from the mountains and gives back what he's learned. So the very first verse of Thus Spake Zarathustra is talking about his 10-year psychological um, uh, uh, solitude, trying to work out the trauma of war that are uh, based as someone that cares uh, in a humanitarian way about people. And this is why Nietzsche's ideas were so um, before their time, mm. because he had his sensitivities about the human condition that were very profound and very strong and were really unrealized. I mean, we find it difficult to comprehend, but it's only after World War II that all these humanitarian institutions have arisen. Um, and we have this as a common doctrine. But back then, there, conditions weren't uh, as we understand them today. And the so idea was, hmm. was, was he, uh, an, a, in a sense, or directly talking about moral injury? Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
You get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the trauma therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the trauma therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Going Inside is a new podcast on a mission to help you heal from trauma and connect with your authentic self. Hosted by licensed trauma therapist John Clark, this show explores trauma healing through the lens of internal family systems therapy with detours into EMDR, somatic experiencing, and much more. Tune in for enlightening guest expert interviews, immersive solo deep dives, real therapy sessions, and soothing guided meditations. Head on over to johnclarktherapy.com slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. Once again, head on over to johnclarktherapy.com forward slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. Yes. Okay. So in the it's, it's uh, so the the birth of uh, the birth of tragedy. His first book. Oh, okay. I the, his his opening aphorism is, um, uh, the ideas of this work are of the first working order of importance for philosophers. They deal with very deep ideas that are inspired by. Um, by my um, writings under the walls of the mats. It's an explicit reference once uh, of uh, and to his wartime uh, to his wartime experiences and he wrote and so his writing on moral injury is explicit. He started as in his first work and that's what his all every single one of his works was a work of moral injury. Mm. So that, that that culminated after ten years, he had a he had a way to to understand and to think about moral injury that these ideas um, had crystallized for him, and after thus spake Zarathustra, we see some very um, prophetic understandings and predictively prophetic. I mean, that's it's fine to be prophetic. It's it's a little bit scary when they're predictively prophetic, like. And and th- and that's what and that's what the works of Nietzsche have really re- they resound so heavily in our century that that's why they've drawn so much attention and why they're so important. So, explain to us how this your newer definition includes this the 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 thought of treatment or the idea of treatment. Yes. Okay. So. <clears throat> okay. So um, Carl Jung understands um, and uh, he understands a, a healthy um, a mind or, or uh, a mind that can process metaphysical or meta-ethical presuppositions um, in the following way. Um, he doesn't necessarily say that um, 
he talks about a state of psychic grace. He's not saying that um, an unhealthy mind suffers or doesn't suffer and a healthy mind suffers or doesn't suffer. He says, no, everyone suffers. Um, we have a healthy mind can reach a state of psychic grace through their suffering. Um, and, we, and this state of psychic grace that's realized through suffering is in large part due to these meta-ethical or metaphysical presuppositions or beliefs or mythologies that we believe in. So if you're thinking about um, um, uh, a state of psychic grace for, in Christianity, for, th for, th for 2,000 years, Christians had a state of psychic grace because Christianity was different to what came before it. And the primary difference of Christianity to anything else um, was this concept of original sin. And, and if you, uh, so if you went to a priest and said, um, um, my father, I've got uh, moral, uh, they wouldn't call it moral injury, uh, either guilt or, or guilty about something or um, my world has been, um, I don't understand, um, you know, this has occurred and it's disrupted my ideas of, of the world. They would say, um, my son, hang on, I, and I do have, I do have this because it's, 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 it is quite an incredible, this is uh, from the Bible. Um, okay, poor thing, suffering for your own sins, it's all right if you've sinned, you shouldn't have to suffer for it. Self-pity actually involves the lying to oneself, it's the result of sin and incurable without repentance, Jeremiah 30, 15. Repentance from sin is the difference between self-pity and sorrow. Self-pity involves no repentance, while godly sorrow produces repentance. And what that basically means is if you went and saw the priest and he would say, why, why are you coming to me with this moral injury? You don't have moral injury because you are originally sinful. There is nothing to, for you to um, um, be distraught about. Don't take it out on yourself. Nothing to do with you. Transfer your um, transfer that pity into of yourself into godly sorrow and the transference of the uh, because he said there's there's no need to worry about that because you're already originally sinful that you you are in a state of which you always would have been there's nothing to worry about now you need to be better by aligning yourself to um, to godly principles and understanding that um, uh, um, um, that godly sorrow instead of self-sorrow is the way out and will give you repentance. And so you have a state of psychic grace. You say, well, okay, I'll do better work with, the, I will help these people. Or I'll, uh, for example, some people, I'll lash myself five times, right? That would, that's godly sorrow. And that was the mechanism that resolved moral injury before psychological uh, the, before the, the, the age of psycho, psycho, psychology and psychoanalysm uh, came, came onto the scene. Um, the, the problem is, of course, and this is um, where the definition starts to get rolling, is that throughout 2,000 years of Christian, um, uh, Christian thought, because if you came to a priest, Christianity, and you thought, I'm, I'm a bad, I'm a sinner, I'm terrible, and I need to, to save myself, I need to save others, or I need to 
to align myself to godly sorrow. And the, the way to do that is to be truthful. This is the origin of what philosophers call this will to truth that is part of Christianity. So we have the Christian mind, the Christian psyche has a will to be truthful because that truth saves our souls. Now, that will to truth that came about through this mechanism of original sin ended up being, um, ended up uh, biting and eating away at the foundations of Christianity because it spawned scientific revolutions. It spawned people saying, you know, I, search of truth is so important. Because, and, and, you know, of course it is. Because, and you have other religion, religious societies that don't value truth as much or don't have the psychological mechanisms where you need to take truth very seriously. And those um, religions haven't gone through periods of enlightenment or you could say separation of church and state or, or separation or, or dissemination of religion and into society. It's not really a separation of religion and state. It's actually the dissemination of those religions into the state. And that's what our Western culture has. We have the dissemination of these great ideals into the state. And that's why the saying is God is dead because very few people that are alive now because our conditions are so good. They're so good. I mean, you know, we have universal suffrage, right? That they, we think to ourselves, you know, um, the, the people that are believed that believe in an afterlife diminishing every generation that goes forward, less religious. Um, and if you don't believe that you're originally sinful and we now live in a time not of God and crimes against God, but the time of humanity and crimes against humanity where every life is seen as irredeemably precious. And it's very difficult to understand these concepts of original sin and original um, profundity and, and preciousness of um, a modern culture and a, a modern society as we have now. So the definition, the, the, the definition, and it's not, it's not my definition, right? This is a direct quote from Nietzsche. Um, um, moral injury is a disruption to the psyche from a will to truth that has become conscious of itself as a problem in us. So this will to, so moral injury wasn't a problem if you had an if you had a state of psychic grace. If you if you could understand your guilt or or any any other psychological moral injury in terms of, a of your relationship with the divine and God and your relationship with original sin, you would reach a state of psychic grace where your suffering would be meaningful because it's meaningful because you're sinful and God is great and that creates meaningful suffering and a state of psychic grace. Nietzsche says that Nietzsche, the whole, his whole work is understanding what happens when we stop believing these very fundamental presuppositions. So, um, and the riddle that he left for the world was, um, uh, well, the riddle that he left, he, did, he never mentioned a cow, or he mentioned it twice in his book. But the cow is the original, uh, and he talks about three metamorphoses, camel to lion, um, 
uh, camel to lion, lion to, <laughs> okay, uh, the, the spirit become, is, a, is a camel. Um, the camel becomes a lion. The lion battles a dragon and then um, becomes a child. But there is also a, a, a prior and a founding metaphor which frames all these other metaphors, which is the cow. And the cow is this idea of original sin where the cow is content. I mean, that's what cows are. They're content. They're chewing on the grass of pasture. They're, um, they look out into the ocean and they've got long eyes and, and, you know, nothing really phases them. A state of psychic grace, right? And, and the, the, the metaphor is this. The cow eats the pasture or the metaphysical ideas. Those metaphysical ideas produce um, milk. That milk is, um, is affliction. Also, that milk has these ideas. So um, that milk nourishes the cow and that nourishment uh, um, is, sorry, the cow will eat the grass. The, the grass is our metaphysical ideas. It produces milk. Now this milk is, it's, it's suffering or it's our understanding of our relationships with the divine. Mm -hmm. And once we disconnect from that um, and we don't find um, meaning to suffering, we are like a camel. And the camel, instead of being in a herd and a, a creature of the herd and part of society and part of like a interconnected ideas, the camel is off, it's lonesome, it's by itself. It doesn't have the pasture to be able to get sustenance or the pasture of ideas that the cow had. And, but it's still got all these heavy packs of the ideas and the values of the cow that it tries to make sense of because it, it's suffering for meaning. While the cow, for the cow, suffering is meaningful. For the camel, it's suffering for meaning, right? Mm. And that's what moral injury is. It's really, when you come down to it, suffering for meaning. Because if you if you had, um, uh, so you shouldn't really, what is moral injury? Um, so, um, I don't, I, I've got, uh, there's, I don't have any faith in, 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 the, in the world or, or the arrangement of things or, or, or this, or I don't, I think I've done the wrong thing, right and wrong. All these ideas, those are have come from a will to truth because a few hundred years ago, and you know, you further back, those ideas didn't exist. Mm. But very happy, and everyone was happy, and uh, to to say, well, our faith is good enough, and it doesn't matter if. Uh, but then slowly, and and the and the sun revolves around the earth, and slowly. This will to truth has uncovered a level of our psychology that won't allow us to believe it anymore. Even if we say to ourselves we do, it doesn't give us that ring of that authentic ring or that uh, that level of psychic grace that people in Christian societies used to have. Wow, <laughs> this 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 suffering for meaning. Uh, rings very loudly for me. Um, say more about that. This idea of yes, <clears throat> okay. 
Okay, so the so the cat so if you if if you're if you have um, if you are for a start, if things don't affect you, if if you're not affected by no, not everyone has model injury, right? Not a, people will see the same thing. One person will not have a moral injury; the other person will. Nietzsche saw something as a medical medical orderly, and he had moral injury because he. Um, because his senses were more attunedly connected with um, sensibilities that were only going to only coming online, basically ideas of humanity, hundreds of a hundred years into the future. So if you um, if you if if you can't if you are suffering, right? It's you're not suffering because of the meaning of what this is. You're suffering. You, you're suffering for meaning for what you've seen, um, or you're suffering for the meaning that has been dislodged by what you've seen, right? It's it's sort of the inverse of how we're thinking about it today. It's not the meaning that's making you suffer, mm-hmm. but you. Um, it's really the lack of meaning that's making you suffer, and that is creating this idea of moral injury. Um, yeah. And do you think that that holds a special significance in, in our world now? Oh, most certainly. So, um, so, um, okay. With, with, with our world today, um, and I, I, I have been very careful very, very careful to not put any opinion. And I don't really hold an, I actually don't hold an opinion. I really am just reporting on reported and verified trends that are happening in society. Um, and also the indices of society. You, it's, it's not, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not a secret that um, the meaning or like um, for, uh, the meaning of traditional institutions has been dissolving for some time. Um, and through the, um, the dissolution of those meaning, those, the, those hierarchies, see there is, those hierarchies, they hold power. It's not to say that power doesn't exist. And when you flatten those, um, um, the, when you remove those hierarchies, you're getting all these uh, um, shoots um, into new understandings or, or, or repressed ideas that were not there before. You know, marriage, it used to be him, her. Now it is not. Now those ideas, those change, those aren't new meanings. Those are the breakdown of original meanings that we, that our society holds. Now the new meanings that we get from those or of inclusion, the, the real danger of, um, of, um, of thinking about these ideas is thinking about these ideas on top of ethical understandings and moral considerations that underpinned the old meanings and not understanding them in relation to um, into relation to a new set of presuppositions um, or a, a new idea to understand the, the relation of human integrity and dignity because 
re religion is a very hard topic. And when you and 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 there had been um, uh, sections of society that had been persecuted by these religions, or ideas of people had been persecuted by such ideas. And once they get a footing, it's very difficult for them to uh, for, for for such sectors or cohorts to engage in a way that that has um, that 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 um, uh, it can be very difficult. Sorry, to engage in a way that really um, um, that really uh, that really is a, resou a resounding engagement. Um, and I, yeah. I, it, Dr. Timothy Shaw website. His website is Great Philosophical Problems. So, Tim, as we kind of wind down here, what can therapists take from this? People who are working with trauma. Yes. Well, the the, the main trauma that we're all experiencing is, um, and it's all of it. It's a very personal trauma that we all experience. It's our disconnection. It's our relationship to divine ideals. Now, if you've got, it, it, you, if you've, uh, your tra the trauma um, of everyone in relationship to their ideas of themselves, in relationship to their ideas of themselves, in relationship to what's happened to them, what they've seen, what they've done, those ideas are all related to divine precepts or presuppositions and unraveling that particular, that, that, that space is I believe a very, very exciting opportunity and and and, and place of um, uh, extreme interest um, and 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 yeah, um, well, Nietzsche said um, that his main overriding goal um, for the book, Thus Spake Zarathustra, was to put every sorrowful one again on firm land and firm legs. So. It's it's a it's a it's it's a it's an intuitively um, philosophical argument that doesn't intellectualize the precepts. It's a it's a it's a very intuitive way in which to re recenter and re um, and re uh, yeah and 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 just to help people that just to really help people and and if there's something that I can get across that I found that I find should be is important to to do. Because Nietzsche has been associated and with with terrible, you know, he was staunchly um, uh, um, against anti-Semitism, and he's talked about it. Um, Hitler, cause of World War One, cause of World War Two. But this man, he went to war as a medical orderly. He was so upset with it. He wrote a book um, after ten years of thinking about it, and that book, its main aim was to put every sorrowful one again on firm land and firm legs. And, and if, I, if, I can say, if I can say this, um, this, is a, this, is what he, uh, this is what he was thinking about when he was writing Thus Spake Zarathustra. Okay, in order to ensure my own survival, and this is for therapists as well, I have my protective instincts contempt, disgust, indifference, that drive me into solitude. Yet in solitude, where I feel that everything is necessarily connected, every being is divine to me. And he goes on to say, 
that what is most crucial is the feeling, who am I? Who is the other person in relation to me? Value judgments that are continually active. Um, and so, so he was, he, he really was a pine. He was a, a, a person severely misunderstood for, um, and uh, because all his work is a metaphysics, um, people have uh, bastardized it for, for whatever reasons they have, but the, his reason for his magnus opus is to put every sorrowful one again on, on firm land and firm legs, and it's inspired by the moral injury of war, and all his writings are inspired by the moral injury of war. Tim, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? Through the website. Um, and that is greatphilosophicalproblems.com. Um, we'll have that linked up at the show notes page here at the traumatherapistpodcast.com. You're on Twitter. I also? am. Okay. Dude, thank you so much for, for joining us. I know it's a crazy hour over there, but you are, uh, you, you exude a passion for this work that, that is undeniable. And I just want to thank you for, for being here today. Thank you, All right. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. And if you'd like to join the hundreds of other therapists who are each month keeping up to date and informed and inspired about what's going on in the world of trauma, I'd love to invite you to head on over to the Trauma Therapist Newsletter. That's the traumatherapistnewsletter.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.